This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. With me today, Brady Campbell. Hi, guys. Aline Sanduk. Hello. And that's it. That's all I got for you today. You're going to have to be happy listeners with these two. And well, you should be because they are among the leading lights of medical education here at Iowa. That's so sweet, Dave. I know. It's true, though. Such are a good liar. It's, <laughs> there's nothing There's nothing incorrect about that. What are you buttering us up for? <sighs> well, I'm buttering you up because, you know, I, I had scheduled a guest today. And uh, I forgot to tell the guest that I had scheduled him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm hoping you'll forgive me for that. Uh, But we'll, you know, we'll have him on the show. I'm not even going to tell who it was. I don't want to spoil the surprise. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could be somebody from Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Could be somebody from, uh, you know... The hit Nelson H- Mandela, the other hit HBO <laughs> could be that the hit HBO series Chernobyl. Um, Why are you focusing the, on actors? The only other HBO. It could be. <laughs> it could be one of any number of people. The president of the United States. Oh my God! I mean, that he, would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> he is in the neighborhood. There's a a lot of very interesting politicians in the neighborhood. Yeah. There, uh, yeah, that would be an interesting. Try and get one of like the potential electees. I just my wife come and be on the show. My it's wife just told me that uh, the Democrat, the Democratic, uh, the first Democratic debate has to be held over two days, two different debates because there are so many. What are we up to now? I think 16, <laughs> I like 17? 45. But, yeah. Um, Sounds about right. Anyway, I uh, yeah, that should be that should be exciting. Um, not related to the show, but uh, the Angler just announced uh, a moth main stage recording in September. Oh. And it immediately sold out. <laughs> like, immediately. Were you planning on telling some sort of story? That would be cool. No, I was going to buy tickets and I put on my they calendar. They were here a couple of years ago. Yeah, were they? I think. There have been, I think Night Vale, Welcome to Night Vale also had a live recording uh, not long ago, but... I put on my calendar that the tickets were going on sale yesterday and I was like, oh, I'll get to it. Got that's done. yeah. That's the kiss of death right there. Yeah. You'll never get tickets that way. Aline, you got to be on the jump apparently to get some culture in Iowa city because I we mean, we get some good culture. culture. We are a UNESCO <laughs> world we're, heritage site and yeah. for literature. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm glad you're both here today because we have a listener question from Brent. Uh, Brent wants to know about uh, what we learn about cultural differences in our curriculum. I recently began listening to the podcast, and I thoroughly enjoyed the topics and your candor. Yeah, you're welcome. My question for you all is whether there is any coursework at Iowa that addresses cultural nuances in caring for patients? 
For example, I live in a region that is quite diverse in terms of heritage, socioeconomic status, religion, native language, etc. in my pre-med clinical experiences so far. I've noticed how different nationalities and or cultures that come into the clinics approach the medical appointment and the patient-doctor relationship differently. Moreover, I've recently been involved in experiences where a male will speak for the female in a medical appointment and or the female patient will not see a male doctor for religious reasons. At times these experiences challenge my own assumptions and require me to check my own biases about how the patient-doctor relationship should be. As a follow-up to my primary question, have you all experienced any cultural differences in caring for patients? Have you all found that these experiences surprised you? If you did encounter cultural difference, how did you react and what did you learn? Yeah, that sound is because I'm cheap. And <laughs> only have the uh, free version of that software. That done. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting that after a minute it inserts horrible static yeah. when I record this. I'm just going to leave that in. You know what? I'm leaving it in. I could take it out. Yeah. I already have an edit point picked, but you know what? I'm going to leave it in. Why not? That's right. That was a great joke, Brady. I liked it. <laughs> um, yeah, cultural competency. Um, we do have, uh, I did little, just a quick bit of research to uh, pick out some some points in the curriculum uh, where we, they, we talk about that for you guys. Um, do you guys remember any of that? I mean... We, we definitely had either a mass or a CAPS lecture about a program called Culture Vision, uh -huh. which is kind of like a website that you can go to and it'll give you like a brief rundown on things you should be aware of. Yeah. Just like a general overview. Yeah. I think it's a service that the U subscribes to. Yeah. Um, and it's like continually updated and it's pretty comprehensive. It has been accused, I think in some cases of being like overly reductive or like oversimplifying sure. the entire, you know, demographic of people. But I'm you know, not sure. I'm not sure that that's uh, avoidable. I mean, gosh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> excuse me. Um, okay? Yeah, no, I'm fine. Thank Just God. sucked in a June bug or something. You're in the right place to die though. I'm in the hospital. Uh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> oh, and you know, the, the, the thing is cultural competency. I mean, it, I think when when you talk about it, I think probably most people go directly to, you know, ethnic uh, culture, all differences. Mm -hmm. um, but there's so much more to it. There's, uh, you know, there's LGBT, LGBT culture, there's uh, religion, there's um, even disability culture, um, all kinds of different. And we and we hit those in various parts of the medicine and society courses um, that we have here. Um, did you feel um, prepared for such a Brady, especially because you're a third year. So you've just pretty much finished your your core curriculum. Yeah, I think they said uh, your I core mean, clinical curriculum at this year. At this yeah. Point. yeah. No. <laughs> That's, um, no need for that. I, fourth year. Yeah. Yeah. Just get on the word. It's all fluff. I think. I think so much of your cultural competency, if we want to call it that, comes from. What your perspective is going in. Like you just kind of have to be open and aware and then it's really hard to learn in a classroom. Yeah. You really need to just be on the wards and experience it because mm -hmm. it's no one pays attention in the classroom half the time. So it's very hard <laughs> to teach that. A lot of uh, the simulations too in class are like a little bit contrived and kind of rigid in showing one way that things can go. But I think, yeah, there's no better teacher than experience. 
Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's probably just important to go in with. I mean, so the, the hard, the difficult part of of that sort of bit of advice is that you don't know what your own biases are. Really, the, that's the whole point of an unconscious bias is that you can't tell when they're acting upon you, mm-hmm. and um, and so you know you can say, well, you have to be, you know, open minded, but it, it seems like it might be almost impossible to be so open-minded that you make no mistakes because yeah. <laughs> you would be, you know, just uh, a complete jellyfish mentally, I would think. And I mean, we, this is one of the huge benefits of being a medical student too, is you get to see, we're kind of like the fly on the wall where you get to see how all these different staff, all the different residents handle different situations. Mm-hmm. So you'll see people who are, will make you cringe at their their own competencies or how they treat patients. Mm-hmm. Then you also have providers who do an incredible job of meeting patients wherever they're at mm-hmm. these things and learning from them. So so are there are there any general takeaways that you've taken away for for your for cultural competency aside from just being open? Like you walk into a room and where do you begin? I think it starts before they even walk in. Mm-hmm. Like some people will try and get by with just, if it comes to an interpreter, they go for the easiest route or just their perspective of some people say, you know, I know this will take a little bit more time, but they stay in that room and they make sure that the patient feels heard and everyone is on the same page. And some people will just go in and treat it more like a, like they're answering a test question where you get as little information as you need mm-hmm. and you just kind of like get out. And I think that's kind of the main difference I've seen is that you need to like slow down and take your time. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think keeping your eyes and ears open, especially if it's a culture that you're not familiar with. Um, there was one patient that I remember seeing um, when I was on the wards uh, for internal med. It was a it was a Congolese woman who I think was in a, a car crash on the highway and uh, her spouse and children were also in that van, but they had died and she mm. wasn't aware. Mm. And uh, she had been like pretty badly injured. And it was really hard to tell like the best way to navigate that situation. But her brother had been there um, who like also worked in the area and, you know, as a medical student, I deferred to the provider, um, but it was pretty clear from the situation that, like, the brother didn't want her to know yet because, like, I think he was worried that she would die of shock, just literally die of shock, not just to have been through that situation, but then to find out, you know, of the tragedy that accompanied her own injuries. Yeah, so you're dealing, then you're dealing with cultural issues surrounding death. Yeah. Right. Just um, layer upon As layer. well as doctors and medicine and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Did you, have you ever experienced any, uh, any particular uh, time when cultural competency, when you had to, you know, sort of ramp up your cultural competency, I guess? I mean, I, th- I think just having a general understand, this isn't like, a, I mean, it happens more than you think. Like I was in the emergency room for the last month and we had a patient who had, basically just flu-like symptoms, but they came in severely dehydrated because it was during Ramadan and they 
like normally when we're sick, we tell people to drink water all day. We tell people, you know, try and like eat some crackers to settle your stomach, all these little things. But I mean, they weren't able to do that mm. because of religious reasons. Yeah. So from there, you kind of, it's a different conversation. And then, and I think being in Iowa, people aren't necessarily comfortable talking about that as much. Mm -hmm. Like we don't have that many people who are practicing Ramadan coming into our hospital right now. Do you remember um, the approach that was used to talk about this? I mean, it was more just like sharing information. Mm -hmm. So I think we were kind of talking about like strategies because we weren't going to keep them in the hospital. Like they didn't need to stay. Mm -hmm. So they were going to go home and we were kind of like planning through that. And it just kind of came up in conversation and then we worked on developing new strategies. Okay. Kind of. So, but I mean, so we got through an entire patient encounter before like oh, bef we even, before, that before even. I even like knew what his mm. religious oh, background yeah. was. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I imagine it's kind of, uh, I don't know, it'd be kind of weird to, um, to uh, sort of jump in and say, okay, what's your religious background before we begin, <laughs> you know, where do you go to church? Where do you, you know, where did you come from? You know, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, you sort of depend upon the patient to bring it up at some point. Um, and then that can change the whole conversation, I imagine. Yeah, I think, I think the emphasis of the curriculum and like in general is just kindness and respect and sensitivity goes such a long way. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're, we're going to make mistakes. There's no way to be perfect and to know about all 600,000 different cultures, you know, that have existed yeah. on earth. But I think kindness is kind of the same in every language, you know. I imagine the worst thing you can do is say, well, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, easy. it's, it's, it's gonna, not easy to know what to do, but what not to do. That's pretty. <laughs> and it's going to differ so much where you are in the country. Yeah. I mean, at our hospital, our cultural competence comes from knowing how to treat someone from Des Moines versus a farmer from <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like rural Iowa, because yeah. you can't treat those people the same either. Yeah. Um, very true. Whereas if you're in New York, then you're going to have a total different patient population. And if it's really important to you, then that's something you should look at before you're applying to different medical schools too, I think. Yeah, for sure. We did do an episode way back when, in 2013 um, called what cultural competency really means. Unfortunately, you won't find it in uh, your podcast app because it was from our previous website. And um, what you need to do is uh, go out and buy yourself a set of chimes and then stroke them. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll have a flashback. Isn't that how? It works? Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> or find your local uh, dial up Internet cafe. <laughs> <laughs> make sure it's paid yeah. you know we want to be authentic ten dollars an hour yeah. yeah what cultural competency means was the episode title it's from december 13th 2013 we interviewed uh hendry ton a um the medical director of the transcultural wellness center and director of education at uc davis school of medicine center that was his title at the time so you got to go to the website the shortcode.com and um, search for what it's you could just search for cultural and it'll be the first um, episode that pops up um, if you want to learn more about um, uh, this issue but remember it's pretty fun talking to him hopefully hopefully the sound quality uh, 
from episode 28 it was um doesn't put you off um but you know <laughs> just you know suck it up <laughs> you know what i'm saying uh, was that was that when uh, you were still recording out in the learning communities um i believe we were recording in a room okay. at that point but you know the equipment was different the the i didn't know as much about sound as i do now sure um so you know i you know <laughs> You would take your notes on a rock tablet that you would click with a chisel. (laughs) I had a bird. I had a bird who pecked things out. (laughs) And then would make Um, sarcastic comments. Yeah. Well, all in a day's work. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That's a Flintstones. How many of our our listeners do you think have any idea what What the the Flintstones were? I mean, you know, Brady. I barely Brady knows. Barely? Yeah. Barely. How old are you, Brady? If you don't mind. 26. 26. Okay. Hanna-Barbera is not a current reference of any sort. That's true. But any, I any... had so many different cartoons that are still, they're still syndicated, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can find them for sure. I mean, Scooby-Doo is oh. one of their, you know. Oh, I just remembered something. Remember that? There episode? were Flintstones movies in the, in the 2000s. Yeah. Oh, my God. Live action. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Not good ones. <laughs> Probably. They were all right. Yeah. They, they were like state of the art for their day. <laughs> for the, for now. John Goodman was a uh, star in one of those. If you yeah, curious, do you remember that one episode where you brought up like products for sale and we had to guess which one was fake. And one of them was like a no hands towel. And <laughs> the and one the, that you hung around your neck. Yeah. Yeah. And the comparison I used was like, uh, like I was thinking uh, of like that Betty rubble dress where it's like tied. And I think a couple of people, on the show, we're like, who's Betty Rubble? I don't recognize <laughs> that get, at all. Speaking of culture, get some people. Yeah, watching you, TV is not bad you, for you. You can't just yeah. you can't watching just watching eight hours of TV <laughs> is bad for you. You can't just discard a whole you know the seventies of cartoons. You know that's and TV taught me a lot. It's insanity. Of what I know actually about American yeah. culture, believe it or not, for better or worse. Yeah, for, in for this case, or worse, with <laughs> a grain of salt. Yeah. In this case, about prehistory. <laughs> <laughs> totally accurate depiction of humans and dinosaurs. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, listeners, Brady, Elaine, I will have you know that we sell t-shirts for charity. Mm. This is a break, by the way. We do sell t-shirts for charity, and I'm here to say that these are some damn fine shirts, if you ask me. They're available in Heather Blue and Heather Black. They feature a cool graphic and a really soft feel. Here, feel these. Oh, my. Wow, we... Wow, wee, wow, wow. <laughs> they are very nice. No, they are legit really nice shirts. They're super actually. comfy. Yeah. Um, uh, if you want to treat yourself to a delightful t-shirt experience, I can't imagine any other place to go other than the shortcoat.com slash store to get a look at them, to buy them for a measly $15. And the money we make, uh, if any, go to support their, our charity of the semester. And this semester, it's the National Alliance on Mental Illness on mental illness and its mission to end the stigma associated with things like depression and other mental disorders. Again, that's the shortcoat.com slash store. Make me happy listeners because that is your primary goal is to make me happy. Right. If not for yourself, then for Dave's happy. If not not for Nami, then at least for Dave. Do it for, do it for Brady. I think that would make Brady happy to know that if we sold 20 t-shirts this week. Yeah. How would that make you feel Brady? I would be so, so happy. Would that renew your faith in, in humanity? I would wake up in this time of, of, 
of difficult, uh, you know, interpersonal uh, react uh, relationships when it comes to things like <laughs> politics and and things like that. Things that we keep hearing from listeners about <laughs> that we should probably stop doing. I would argue to say that if David texted me on a Sunday night and said we sold 20, I would wake up happy on a Monday morning. That that would be the level of. Okay. Yes. So you have your you you have your goal, listeners. Twenty T-shirts by uh, the week. Let's let's give them a, let's be nice. Yeah. We'll give them we'll give them four days after the release of this episode. I think that's appropriate. Okay. How about because if you don't if you don't do it as you're listening, you're gonna forget. And yeah, that's a good point. Take your out your right now. You got your you got your phone. Your phone is running right now. You've got your phone turned on. I know it you has do. Battery. It has a battery. <laughs> What if we uh, promise... <laughs> they have stopped listening <laughs> by now, however. Like, all right, guys, shut up. Get back to the um, What if we send them very nice handwritten thank you notes? Oh. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice. I have some super nice... Do you have good handwriting? Yeah. Well, that, yeah. that makes one yeah. of us. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Ramp that shit up. Well, I'm serious. I will, I will write a mean thank you note. All right. Okay, all right. I've gotten thank you notes for my thank you notes. Thank you very much. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Nice. Not to brag. <laughs> all right. That's the, <laughs> that is, that should be the end of this break, really. <laughs> what does a laundry basket and 50,000 Ugandans have in common? Oh, yeah. any, <laughs> any guesses? No. Well, we, we should say. Speaking of cultural sensitivity. <laughs> look. I will not guess. <laughs> it's not funny. That was a terrible way to put that. It is not funny. A New Jersey pastor named Robert Baldwin, uh, who thinks bleach is good for both. That's who we should mm. say has something in common with a basket of dirty laundry. That's what I said. Is oh, yeah. Someone who has an affinity for bleach. I, okay. Let's go with that. <laughs> Let me try this again. <laughs> I don't know. This could be funny to leave it. I, I don't. I, <laughs> uh, I 20 it, bucks says we're going to get a listener comment being like, I'm Ugandan. I'm very offended. I, by that. No, I, I, I just meant to say I that this I, guy it wouldn't be. A, it would be someone else. Yeah. This guy, Robert Baldwin, decided that, uh, you know, be Robert Baldwin who writes this <laughs> saying he's very offended. Robert Baldwin is founder of a Christian nonprofit group. And uh, he, along with British clairvoyant Sam Little, are accused of distributing a miracle drink known as MMS to nearly 50,000 Ugandans. Mineral miracle solution, as they call it on the Internet, is sodium chloride and citric acid. They combine to make chlorine dioxide, an industrial bleach used in the textile industry. Yeah. According to reports, Baldwin trained over a thousand Ugandan clerics on the issue, on the uses and administration of the bleach drink to their congregations. Uh, apparently it cures, supposed to cure lots of different things like, but especially malaria. Uh, so here, oh. here's a quote for you before we, here's a quote for you from Baldwin. America and Europe have much stricter laws, so you're not as free to treat people because it is so controlled by the FDA. That's why I'm working in developing countries. Oh, okay, Robert. I can see your point. <laughs> you a-hole. As he, does he make money off of this? So is he selling his own product? Um, or is he just like a propagator of like this I, technique? It's kind of hard to tell. Like I couldn't tell from the stories I was reading. I mean, I do know that, um, I think it was, 
I do know that one organization contributed like $10,000 to the cause. So there's money involved here. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready. Basically, I'm not ready to say that, uh, Baldwin is doing this out of the goodness of his heart. Um, oh, that's definitely yeah, that's, pretty obvious that he is not, you know, he's there's not, an he's not like, I really believe in this and, uh, and I want to help these people. Um, I take that back. Maybe there's not an ulterior motive, but the, I'm not sure that this method is rooted in like rigorous science. Oh, it's not rooted in science. Okay. Yeah. I don't, we don't even need rigorous. I, I don't just science in general. Yeah. Yeah. He did point to a 2018 study with, uh, or Mr. Little, his uh, co, co, uh, conspirator, co person. Um, these sounds, co jerk. Sound, I'm not even sure. Um, <laughs> sound made up. Yeah. He, he, uh, Mr. Little points to a 2018 study with 500 Cameroon malaria subjects as proof that it works. Uh, just, I mean, how could it, how could how could he know that the lead author of that study was removed from the faculty of his German university this past February after the study was found to be worthless and ethically problematic by its medical faculty? How could he know? Yeah. Um, anyway, another Baldwin gem of a quote. You have to do it low key. That's why I set it up through the church. Mm. So there you go. Because if you do it. Not low-key people learn. People go, hey, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> God damn. This just feels like history repeating itself. Well, yeah, I mean, we've... Uh, it, it, what do we, go ahead. What do you mean? Well, I, I don't need... Actually, I mean, I was thinking of, like, you know, using at-risk populations for scientific studies. Yeah. I'm not, but, sh- I'm not sure that's even goal, like but... a, This isn't even a study. This is... Maybe, maybe he maybe he thinks that there is an actual potential cure in here somewhere, theoretically. Yeah. What that would be, I have no clue. Yeah. Yeah. My impression. So I say this with a grain of salt, very, very carefully. Um, in cases of like disasters or emergency situations, um, when your access to water is blocked and you're not sure that the water that you're, you know, you have available is safe to drink or cook with you know one of the things you can do is to treat it with household bleach to a low enough percentage that it you know removes any harmful bacteria and also doesn't you know harm your health but this is you got to be real careful about that you got yeah Yeah. you got to be real careful about that and also that's kind of a last ditch effort after you've boiled after you've tried filtering the water um but i i think that's really just for purifying water, not for treating disease yeah. necessarily. And also, I mean, the, the access to medications to treat malaria, even in very rural underdeveloped countries is typically not the largest problem. Like if you wanted to address a problem, it would not be access to medication where we're trying to like create some new bleach solution to attack this problem. So like there has to be some other motive like we like they're trying I'm, to solve a problem that we have already solved. devised yeah <laughs> solutions to for sure yeah I, I i don't know i don't know for sure but i'm gonna go with money mm. um just as a baseline you know what jerks do to to uh do with populations um that are what's the word underserved you know often what what could be the motive here uh, money money it's got to be money you think so? that's got to be it could Maybe. I don't understand. Could I mean, religion. <laughs> we, we, there've been. I mean, we've seen this before, where 
if you can trick people into thinking them that you're curing them of things, they're more likely to respond to your religion. Mm. But then, so then, okay. And the, and so, the under, medical understanding that's... in a lot of, I mean, even in rural America, let alone other it's countries. Even in urban America. Right. Medical <laughs> understanding is low enough where, I mean, you could easily trick people. Yeah, scientific literacy is a problem even in developed nations, for sure. Plus, I mean, you know, it contains sort of a grain of truth here. You know, if we if we think of like, you know, you put chlorine in water to purify it, you know. That's true. That could be. Anyway, the, UN, the Uganda Health Ministry and other government agencies are investigating. Um, so let's hope uh, that's been that that's been put a stop to by now. You know something and i um, you know for, I, I do want to say i don't mean to, i you know my intro to this topic didn't mean to you know sort of make light of it in too much of a particular direction but you know you gotta laugh at weirdness in this yeah. world um when we were talking to um one of our guests recently the thought came up that it's surprising how much lying isn't more against the law yeah <laughs> it's amazing yeah. how much room Why? there is in the law for you know just straight up being dishonest with someone yeah man life would get so complicated i'd have to i'd have to <laughs> yeah. tell the truth about why i'm not going to your party yeah i was gonna say lying is the basis for most rules of etiquette actually, right if you think about right it. but yeah yeah i it i it's not that i don't want to come to your party yeah, it is. It's just that <laughs> I'd rather do anything else. <laughs> Why can't she be there? I got to do. I had plans. Some other thing. Yeah. With my couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. You, what I've noticed is that usually people who are um, who consider themselves direct mm. are perceived as a-holes. So, you know, if you're, yeah. you know, you know. That's a shame, actually. It, it seems way more efficient to not, you know, beat around the bush a little bit and just say, listen, I'm, you know, I don't want to be a jerk, but I just I'd yeah. rather, I really need this me time. That's okay. I don't know. I had this, uh, I, well, okay. Well, I mean, you're a family guy too, so you have built-in people to hang out with in your house. It's true. That's what I've heard. They don't always like, want to hang out with me, but, you, you know. You just say, yeah, I have to do something with my kids. Oh, I, no, believe yeah. me, that, <laughs> I have used <laughs> that excuse. Yeah. The World Health Organization is no longer classifying transgender people as having a mental disorder. Woot woot. The agency, the agency has removed gender identity disorder from its manual of diagnoses, the International Classification of Disease. It now includes gender incongruence in its sexual health chapter instead of its mental health, mental disorders chapter. Uh, it's the 194 UN member states now have three years to put the ICD-11 into practice, which is good news for trans people, um, the world, the world over, but, um, there's still a lot to be done. For instance, in the U S just, uh, four days before this was announced, the Trump administration had proposed rolling back health discrimination protection for trans people. So dismantling policies around the world that were perhaps based in part on the ICD-10 manual will be critical. Um, but, you know, I guess one step at a time. One, one step mm. forward, two steps back, it feels like these days. Sometimes. Um, nevertheless, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a good thing. It is a, it is a good thing. 
Yeah, that's definitely a victory. That's yeah. definitely a victory. There's a lot of organizations and, you know, non-governmental and governmental around the world that kind of follow the lead, mm-hmm. you know, with the WHO as kind of the beacon. So it's not something to be bad at. Still a step forward. For but sure. Let's hope they didn't change some of the other ones that we talked about on a previous show, like, uh, you know, uh, the ICD-10 code for uh, being on fire while uh, water skiing. I think was one of them. What? <laughs> I don't know. Explain. I don't know. I don't remember exactly, but I remember. I just remembered suddenly that there was an, there was a, we did we did a, a segment on ICD ten codes when those were um, adopted, and um, yeah, how one of the that things was like like fire while on jet skis or fire while on skis or something like that, water skis. So you know, someone wonder, must is have it done like that. an N of is there like I wonder if there's a required number of people. Hey. Like, if, like is, is one enough or like, does that mean that like 10 people have somehow lit themselves on fire <laughs> while water skiing? I don't know. Just fall in the water. Somebody. <laughs> yes. Somebody. Like you are You're the surrounded by the solution person to in the world. <laughs> um, I was just going to plug um, Dr. Katie Imborek and Dr. Nicole Nicely, who run a really great LGBTQ clinic through the U um, at Iowa River Landing. I think they just won an award actually for their service. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really, really fantastic resource. Um, that would be a big bit of cultural competency we get, I would say, through our curriculum is we had multiple lectures from them mm-hmm. speaking about kind of just how to approach the patient and how things that you need to understand and then also how to just treat them like any other person. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I mean- I, didn't Dr. Danielos give a lecture? I remember he did for our class um, about gender dysmorphia and kind of the, yeah, like the lingo to use that's sensitive and appropriate. Mm-hmm. Did he do that? Yeah, he, he gave us one and he also does one for one of the clerkships. Um, I think it was like a peds. I think it was while we were on pediatrics. Oh, he does like mm-hmm. another lecture as well. Um, yeah, because he does clinics, I think multiple places in the state even mm. um here are some icd-10 codes we talked about uh sucked into jet engine Ooh, that would <laughs> oh hurt Oh my goodness accidentally accidental striking against or bumped into by another person <laughs> wait and i have a kind of a silly question yeah are icd codes uh used for billing Is yes they okay? are That's yeah okay. activities involving arts and handcrafts oh mm. i guess if you burn yourself with a glue gun that's that would be important. Mm-hmm. Um, swimming pool of prison as the place of occurrence of the external cause. It's very, That's, it's very specific. They have pools at prison. Apparently, somebody does. I mean, I, I walk, guess so. Solid taxpayer money. I think we've all done. I think we've all done this. We've all walked into a lamppost. Oh. 100%. Yeah. Why? Not like too proud 25 to times. Yeah. <laughs> but why? The thing that puzzles me is why does this need to be like. A, a specific bit like you could just say walked into anything walked into a you know like yeah like yeah. conflict like trauma conflict with hard surface would probably cover that right probably the insurance is like all right we'll cover it this time but, yeah you know we'll give you this <laughs> one if, but if you walk time. into two lamp poles and like break a bone both times <laughs> then insurance is just like now we're out <laughs> yeah <laughs> struck by macaw personal encounter oh initial encounter excuse me <laughs> Initial encounter. <laughs> like oh a, so that's the only time that person's ever been to the hospital. Yeah. 
I think that just means the first time they were seen by a doctor for their yeah. being hit with a macaw. Oh, I figured it was the first time getting hit by a macaw. <laughs> Maybe they don't cover subsequent encounters. <laughs> Spacecraft collision by injuring occupant. That that happens a lot. What? Really? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, Feels very specific to like you know, astronauts only. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does spacecraft not include like just airplanes, like any airborne vehicle? I don't know. Vehicle? Maybe a satellite falls on you and that's, that's definitely, yeah. That could happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, some, think, someone's house can, has been struck by a satellite. True. I'm sure. think you could sue the government for that. Mm, there's probably a rule against it. Those bastards. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> struck by an orca. That's one. And, uh, and then here's the one burned due to water skis on fire subsequent encounter so that would be the uh huh, the second you visit kidding. yeah wow so there you go maybe the, making a little the boots catch on fire or something i don't know your if your water skis are on fire like are they like waterproof and that's why they can't yeah because again the solution is all around you <laughs> you're on water skis but you're skiing on a lake of gasoline i might have to oh. that's probably look into the case reports about this yeah. or Maybe it's someone trying to use water skis on land and due to friction, they caught on fire. That's got to be it. That's got to be it. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, nothing like recycling a little old content for the show. <laughs> when you when you look up and forget to tell your guest that he's going to be here. <laughs> it's a free two for one. No one wants to have to. Yeah. Scroll all the way back. And now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm helping our listeners. They don't have to go back to episode ninety nine. But yeah, that was a that was a nice Cliff's Notes of that. Right. Um, bad news, guys. Uh, Pfizer's patent for Viagra is set to expire in 2020. Uh, Pfizer's got to find a new boner pill to make their money off of. Um, new options for erectile dysfunction uh, pills are being eagerly sought. Um, there, there are some uh, old dog learning new tricks um, varieties. Uh, for instance, um, I learned that there is a mouth spray of uh, sildenafil it's australian um could allow for up to 90 minutes of fun between the sheets with a faster onset of main effect um wait oh is it like a topical spray no you (laughs) that's good though it is a i mean that is that would be the most logical right well there there is no systemic effects there is a gel um that's being looked into called and and I'm not be, thrilled about this. Is this going to be great. I'm not thrilled yeah. about this name. Just by the setup, we know this is going to be good. <laughs> I'm not thrilled about this name, but the the uh, the trade name uh, would be Iroxon. <laughs> <laughs> we should have we should have uh, Iro- made up four names <laughs> and then had the listeners guess which was real. Bonerinafil. <laughs> <laughs> hard as up with these hard as Iroxamib. <laughs> <laughs> Ib, isn't Ib kinase inhibitor? I don't know. I think. Yeah. I don't Either know. Lib. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Viagra does have some side effects, which cause about half to stop using it within a year. So this is, mm. you know, why it's important to, uh, and, and it doesn't address all the causes of ED. So other drugs are, sure. are a good uh, thing. So I heard uh, an interesting fact on uh, the science podcast, I think that comes out of The Guardian, a few weeks ago, actually, I use it as the intro to one of my sets now, um, which is that <laughs> I like to open 
my stand-up set sometimes with like a fun medical fact. So apparently, if you're a male under 45 and you experience erectile dysfunction, it may be suggestive of a heart problem. Yeah. And you should get it checked out. Um, so my joke is that like, you know, if upping the ante of your Pornhub searches doesn't fix the problem, maybe it's time to go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doctor, I've been, oh God, now I'm not even going <laughs> to. Oh boy. I like that joke. Yeah, yeah it's, good. Good it's pretty good. Yeah, it gets a good laugh. Uh, there's another treatment, um, which does involve drugs. It's called shockwave therapy. Uh, uses, I don't like that sound. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> uses low frequency sound waves uh, being passed through erectile tissue. Scientists aren't sure why it works, but... It seems possible that it's promoting the growth of new blood vessels and clearing plaque, um, which is useful to those whose vessels have been damaged by things like hypertension and diabetes. Um, As a solution for erectile dysfunction? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. Um, Primary prevention for those out there that are super worried is just uh, stay healthy. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> there is gene therapy that is being proposed. Some scientists are hoping to one day use CRISPR to... Uh, affect a genetic switch that they think is specific to sexual dysfunction and definitely won't cause one's penis to change color, drop off or acquire new branches <laughs> when altered. Acquire new branches. <laughs> Why? The arborization like, of, guys, the, of the phallus. <laughs> Why in the world is anybody at this stage in the game going, you know what we need? We need a, we need a genetic, we need to use CRISPR to to fix somebody's penis problem. Oh my God. What? Yeah. How did, many problems penises cause in the world? Did Hoosier... It's true. I, you you said it, you know, I can't say that. So, <laughs> of all the problems that we are, need to address. Yeah. Yeah. Did Hojanqui teach us nothing? <laughs> <laughs> my God. It's dicey territory. Speaking of, speaking of which, I also read recently that um, they now suspect that those babies, and there might be three, oh. those babies that uh, the Chinese scientist um, did genetic uh, CRISPR did CRISPR Cas nine on to uh, help to to affect their susceptibility to HIV may have actually may have also caused them to um, um, have a gr statistically greater chance of dying between forty one and seventy eight years old. So. Mm. Mm. And, you know, stop with the CRISPR for treatment just for now. And yeah. Let us work it out. Let us let, let science figure shit out, you mm -hmm. know, but here's the thing. I don't think that there is ever. Okay. Ever is. Long. I think it's going to be a very long time before we can realistically use CRISPR to do anything um, without screwing up something else because thinking i mean i don't know much about genetics but i'm pretty sure that um there are many purposes or potentially many purposes for a gene mm -hmm. right yeah. you alter that and it will affect something else even if you yeah. even if you're targeted just to that gene it's got to affect other things there's a reason that gene exists yeah a lot of sequences overlap too so like you may be cutting out a gene but maybe part of that gene is you know part of the sequence for a different gene or a promoter or an enhancer or a repressor in which case now you've taken a repressor offline and you're you know have a higher susceptibility to cancer and the problem with CRISPR is that there's a lot of off-target effects so until we work those out and make it very very I don't know efficient 
Yeah. It's probably not so appropriate for use in humans, but we know a lot, yeah. but there's still way more that we don't know. I mean, there's a reason why we follow, you know, that that progression of like test down in cell lines and then mice and then primates and then human like there there's a lot of things that need to be worked out with new technology. So. Well, this this uh, you know, this use of CRISPR to help people get boners. Um, that is in its, uh, I don't know if infancy <laughs> I don't, is the right word. Um, but <laughs> there's uh, like a, a medical student that worked on that project that he like goes around and like interviews at all these residency programs. And they're like, so tell me about your research. Like, well, very, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Let me tell you about how I'm helping people get erections. <laughs> I brought boners back. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, didn't we solve that problem already? And he's like, yeah, but like, not, we've got these new innovative strategies. Not well enough. <laughs> the patent ran out, so they were funding new stuff. That's right. Yeah. Weren't they working on something like a female counterpart? Yeah, yeah. Viagra, I think but it's a little more I mean, I think that's a thing. I mean, it's... I yeah. I don't know. Why don't we put all this money into male contraception options? <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to Well, we have a really good male contraception option which involves uh uh getting your getting your boy snipped, right? That's a pretty Yeah, but like more of like a short-term, more easily reversible uh -huh. for younger people. Yeah. I mean, if you have yeah. if you've had your kids, then yeah. is great, but Yeah, I was hanging out with uh some friends recently and like we were just having like a modest proposal, you know, thought experiment session. One of them was like well, how about instead of circumcisions, we just do mandatory vasectomies at birth? Problem solved. And I was like, uh, <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, in theory, yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, it would help a lot. Yeah. What's things. like the reversibility ease of that if you were to do that that little? I have no idea. Well, I was going to say, too. <laughs> Speaking of thought experiments, <laughs> I, look, I, if you don't know what Modest Proposal is, get, go look it up oh, on yeah. Wikipedia, but we are not proposing. <laughs> It's a joke. Relax. Vasectomies for, for male boy babies. Male yeah. boy babies. Male <laughs> babies. <laughs> uh. Yeah, we're not proposing to feed babies to the rich as you know as a solution to the Irish famine problem. <laughs> if you're not familiar with Jonathan Swift's A Modest Proposal, yes, that's what that is. Um. Well, good. Best of luck, uh, people looking for. Ways to cure boners. Uh, maybe we could put in the you know, show notes a link to that Guardian podcast episode because it actually was super informative. Yeah, you like, send it to me and we'll. Yeah, I'll the do variety that. of causes for erectile dysfunction and um, also dryness for women, which complicates, you know, sex. Guess, yeah, yeah, sex lives and yeah. people's sexual health. So, Brady, you're leaving town for a year. Why are you leaving town? Why are you leaving me? Why would anybody leave me? It's a good question. Mm -hmm. the, leaving, is it for the same reason that people would not order t-shirts? Oh, guys, make, make Dave happy and buy some shirts. <laughs> he really wants you to buy some shirts. People look, people, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to leave him if we come back in two weeks and no one's bought a shirt. <laughs> like, I'll just be leaving him. And then like the last thing Dave will ever remember about me is how like I tried to do something for him and failed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I will, and I'll remember it real hard. <laughs> anyway. Next thing you know, um, you're going to get a shirt in the mail just streaked with blood. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you don't get these shirts sold look at what, your current institution. Look what people, you did, Brady. People have told me Baltimore is dangerous, but I didn't expect <laughs> bloodied shirts in the mail. <laughs> no, Baltimore, not Dave, though. Super yeah. dangerous. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why, are you, um, why are you leaving? But yeah, so I'm going to... Uh, Moving to Baltimore to pursue a master in public health degree. Nice. Um, at Johns Hopkins. At Johns Hopkins, yeah. Uh, 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 why, why did you decide to do that instead of, we have a public health school. We do have a public health school. We actually have a very good public health school. Um, they do a lot in terms of policy and rural health. Um, just didn't quite perfectly align with my interests. So what are your interests? My interests are more in the global health. Um, so our medical school has this fantastic global health program um, mm-hmm. that if you're interested in that, I would suggest considering our medical school just for that reason alone. Um, but in terms of our public health school, it's a little less connected. The program is still kind of developing a little bit. And I got some advice that if I really was interested in pursuing global projects, I should be looking at you know some of the top tier uh, programs at which Hopkins really just excels. They have connections all over the world. Mm-hmm. They have, whether you're interested in primary care, surgery, all these different things, um, they have those programs put in place for you and you get just a top-notch education. So. What what uh, what brought you to public health as an interest in, in medicine? So I would argue I was interested in like public health more than medicine early on. Um, I did a lot of work with uh, education in Kenya and Tanzania um, and kind of working at that as a root cause of development in these countries. Um, and then that was kind of like how I spent all my free time. And then all my school time was like science because I thought science equaled medicine. And eventually mm-hmm. it did, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and good. then as it's, I got into medical school, that, it was... It's good to know that you get there at some point. <laughs> yeah. You know, our pre-med friends out there and even our MD students, friends. And then eventually medicine kind of interacted with more of the like global public health sphere. Um, I think I like looking at the big picture more of like why we have health problems at a society level mm-hmm. than some of the individual causes. Yeah. So. That's awesome. That's well, that's cool. cool. And of course, Hopkins is a extremely well-regarded university in general. So that's, yeah. that's very cool. Yeah. And as medical students, you get kind of a unique opportunity to go to these places. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not like a special candidate on paper or anything. But coming from like a medical institution. Disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Brady. Yeah. It seems like you have a lot of, like you're bringing a wealth of experience like to the pro. And my impression of Hopkins um, or that, I mean, at that program is that they, they like to build a class based on the character of the individual people. So like yeah. you bring a lot to the table and that's why you got in. So, you know, yeah. you're being very modest. I'm, I'm trying to encourage you. other people that it's like possible. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, then I totally agree. (laughs) Brady's not special. He's he's in fact he's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, Brady, you need to buy like twenty shirts right now (laughs) 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 to get on Dave's good side. I'm just kidding, Brady. (laughs) You're awesome. Well, well, uh, good luck. Thank you. you Good uh, good hunting 
Well, good riddance. Good riddance. <laughs> I don't actually know what the word riddance means. Okay, get. Uh, isn't it an old English way of saying like you know, a ridding of something? Sure. I'm just, I'm just talking out of thin <laughs> I, air. I like it. Google it. See, you lacked com- the most important role of answering questions is even if you're wrong, be confident. <laughs> Number one lesson in medical medical school. Say what you will, but say it with gumption. Right. It'll be fun. Right. Well, look, um, uh, that is a pending Aline's looking up this this important information about riddance. That is our show. Guys, thank you very much for hanging out with me today. It's the action. Oh, yes, it is our pleasure. Riddance is defined as the action of getting rid of a troublesome or unwanted person or thing. Yeah. Oh, so you should be saying good riddance to me. Yeah, that's right. Oh, (laughs) not me. Dave, maybe, but not me. Hey, and thank you very much for, uh, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, that is our show. (laughs) Thanks very much for hanging out with me today. Uh, And uh, what kind of terrible person would I be if I didn't thank you listeners for making us part of your week for all your questions and the many t-shirt orders I'm about to get because if you don't, Brady gets it. (laughs) If you're new here and you like what you heard today, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Uh, We love answering listener questions, so send your questions and comments to theshortcoats at gmail.com where you can leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. And hey, right now, while your podcast app is open, give us some more stars and a positive review. They let us know that you're happy with our work. Me, do things for me, people. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week.